State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell, backed, jacked, and ready to bring the pain with that unmistakable, untraceable performance-enhancing audio. Take that, USADA. We're back with the MMA show, BC and the boys breaking down. Busy weekend. Chris Cyborg adding to her legacy in her Bellator debut. Heavyweights mingling inside the cage at UFC Raleigh. Lots of headlines to get to. It's Super Bowl week, guys. Get fired the heck up. Your boy, BC, live and direct from my Connecticut basement. Joined, of course, by South Florida's best abs. And for a man over the age of 40, he is a UFC Hall of Famer and earthquake survivor. That's me bringing that heat. That's me bringing that heat. Always sweet, never soured sugar, Rashad Evans. What's going on, guys? Excited to be back in the building. And who's returning to this podcast after a couple bye weeks. He's in the Connecticut housing market as we speak right now. It's Brandon Wise. B-Dubs, you're making it permanent in my state, putting a ring on that. I am, BC. I am. It's a good day. It's nice outside. You know, I decided to make the drive today, so unlike somebody else that's uh, on this podcast, you know, didn't want to make that two-hour trek down here, okay. but it's good. It's a very nice day. I can actually see the skyline in the distance. I, I, I appreciate your dedication. I love you. See you soon, boy. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, fellas, you know, it is uh, it is a big week. Uh, not not even not even in just the sport of MMA. Although, hey, how about this Joe Rogan, Stephen A. Smith beef? That's about the uh, the dirtiest fight we got going in the sport today. But let's not forget what is going on this weekend. You know CBS Sports has you covered on HQ, on everywhere else for all things Super Bowl 54. And if you want to insert something into your own ear holes to get you even more fired up, how about that Pick 6 NFL podcast having you covered from South Beach all week leading up to the big game? Not only will Will Brinson be podcasting daily, but more than daily with great interviews with NFL legends throughout the week on Monday they had their Super Bowl week preview on Tuesday, a recap of everything that went down on opening night. And we know you probably want to gamble on the big game because you're probably an absolute uh, uh, dirt, no, sorry, uh, advantageous person. So later in this week, the pick six will have mega picks, props, and a DFS episode for you to make the right pick ahead of the big game. Download and subscribe wherever you find podcasts. It's the pick six NFL podcast on CBS Sports. Tell them BC sent you. All righty then, Rashad, are you feeling it right now? Former high school football star on all things Niners Chiefs. Yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Uh, you know, I'm 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 going for the Chiefs. You know, I'm an AFC guy, so I'm gonna go for the Chiefs in this one. All right, all right. Growing up in uh Greater Niagara Falls, Buffalo. Where what's your home what's your official hometown? Niagara Falls, New York. So that makes me a Buffalo Bills fan. Like diehard Buffalo Bills fan. Die hard. Die, like, I was all in it this season. Like, I, I, I felt good. I felt like we were, had the 90s back for a second. Wow, you and Ariel Helwani there joining each other's <laughs> pain. Uh, were you in high school during the uh, four Super Bowl appearances? Yeah, yeah, and I cried each year. Every year I cried. Oh, we God. lost. <laughs> Nothing had to hurt worse than Super Bowl 25. That was, uh, that was something, you know? Brandon, it was before your time, before you were born, but this guy Norwood, wide right, bro, all right? I remember that vividly. That was a uh, that that memory, along with the Miami and Florida State rivalry, with all of their wide 
bad, right? Episodes that yes. those are always the fun ones because that means that you're getting the thrill of victory on one side at the very peak and the agony of defeat on the other side. Yes, indeed, right there. Hey, Rashad, I did want to start off with this. We got a lot to get into. We're going to break down all things cyborg making history once again. But these media wars have sort of taken over. We all remember UFC 246. Connor destroys Cowboy in 40 seconds. Stephen A. Smith added to the post show cage side. And we know that rant he went on. Cowboy quit. I didn't learn anything. Blah, blah, blah. Now you got Joe Rogan, his colleague, firing back. These are also colleagues of yours from the fine work you do there at ESPN as well as CBS Sports HQ. Then we had Conor McGregor jumping in on Twitter going at Stephen A. Smith. Stephen replied with a video that didn't seem to make a ton of sense. Rashad, who's right and wrong in this situation? Because this has people caring a lot. Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, I mean, Stephen A.'s job is to go out there and to you know, be controversial, make people draw an opinion, whether he's right or wrong. You know, if people are talking about him, he's done his job. You know what I'm saying? Um, as far as him being right, you know, speaking, I feel like this, you know, it's, when, and, and, and I work the job speaking about these fighters and you want to make it sound exciting, you want to put an exciting spin on it, but at the same time, you have to be respectful for the way that you, you, you talk about the guys, you know? And I, and I feel like, I feel like, when Stephen A was talking about he got folded up like a cheap tent and all those kind of all those kind of, you know, the the verbiage that he was using, I felt as if, you know, that was putting a little bit extra on on already a bad performance. He he could have said whatever he said just by saying it was a bad performance by Cowboy. I think when he put ten on it, I think that's what Joe Rogan and everybody's kinda, you know, upset about is the fact that, yo, you you don't do this and you've never done this. And you and even if you, you know, tried to do it, you wouldn't do it very well. So to be able to, you know, make it seem as if like this guy has no skill and the guy was just trash, you know, that that right there it was wrong. But as an analyst, you know, you know, he does have a right to fire back, but I mean, it's uh it's kind of distasteful when when you make it seem as if like, you know, Cowboy just was trash. Yeah, well he was shooting blanks when he was firing back to defend himself. I mean when you have Conor McGregor as the voice of reason being like, uh no Steven we're mad at you for this, not for that. We're mad at you for basically trashing on Cowboy and making it seem like nothing was learned and nothing happened. What I say as a boxing guy, Rashad, is uh, welcome to the Terror Dome. We've been dealing with this guy for years. You're Manny Pacquiao. You do not need to be getting knocked out and put to sleep by Joe Horn. Uh, it's Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn, uh, Stephen. But um, the whole point on this is um, he's wrong. This It was a bad look. Rashad, I don't think that there's not a place for a guy as popular as Stephen A. Smith, who's the highest paid guy at ESPN, very controversial. You bring attention to to anything he's a part of in a casual fan base, but keep it in the studio is what I say. I think the difference for me was I don't even mind that take. You want to have anyone on sports? Hey, this game ends. Let's go over to Sports Center and oh, here's Teddy Atlas and he's going to go crazy. He said crazy things about boxing, even though he's not a casual. He's a hardcore. My problem was that he's standing by the cage, and to me, because of the ESPN UFC relationship, it like not that it's sacred standing by the cage, but that you're representing the brand a lot more when you stand right there. And uh, could he use some hardcore analysis right there? Uh, could he use the uh, could have used anything else, but what we got yeah. right there. Shout out to Joe Rogan for standing his ground and sharing his piece. Brandon, could you go get your boy Dan Lebatar? Did you read this this spinoff controversy? What's going on down there? 
I did not. What did he say now? Uh, he basically went on a rant that uh, MMA fans, based on this Stephen A. Smith situation, are so sensitive when in reality, all they're really doing is sitting there watching human cockfighting. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Now, that I did actually hear this. The context on that is a little weird, right? Like, he describes it as that, but he also knows what the sport is. He knows how this sport has grown and and watched it grow out of literally nothing. That he cares about the sport a lot. He just knows what it is at the end of the, at the end of the day is two guys in a cage fighting each other, which has that kind of like overlook when you're a casual person coming in from the outside. So. Okay, I get what you're upset about, and I get why MMA people are upset about it, but there is context to it. And he he talks to Dana White all the time about this. They joke about this when he's on their radio show, and Dana gets mad at him, and they just keep laughing. Like, it's a, it's a running joke on the show. I can understand that. When you pull anything out of, out of context like that, it gets, it gets, uh, it draws alarms, but, um, I don't know. Uh, Dude. MMA fans are pretty sensitive, though. Oh, they're, they're way, they're ridiculously sensitive, <laughs> believe me. I see in the comments on YouTube all the time, it doesn't even, boxing fans are like, yeah, whatever, you're an idiot, I'm not going to watch you. You MMA fans want to want to track you down. They want to show up at your house. Yes. Well, I mean, because MMA is like one of the things that the fans feel like they're so much of a part of because they've been with it when it was nothing, you know, yes. and then now everyone jumping on board who are now the Johnny-come-latelys, now they want to have a very valid opinion on something that they knew nothing about a couple seasons ago. You had to inform them about what MMA was. Now all of a sudden they're experts on it. I get it. I get it. And and I get maybe that's why fans are a bit sensitive. But but I, I can kind of feel them in that regard. It's like, yo, hold on. You didn't even know what MMA was a year ago. Now all of a sudden you're a, a you know you're aficionado knowing everything about it. Come on. Yeah, I just don't think a guy like Stephen A. has a place in that exact spot and setting post-fight where you're coming to hear a, you know, mixed in with Joe Rogan where you're kind of get like, look, it's it's a to me, it's a separate thing. You want to do that on first take? You want to do it on SportsCenter? That's fine. But it, it just it seemed wrong place, wrong time. Everyone's t- tweeting at me going like, you know, you're, you're kind of out of bounds with this. ESPN's laughing to the bank. I don't really think they are. I think there's going to be a few tense phone calls between UFC and ESPN just being like, hey, can we not do this again where you uh where you have someone on here who doesn't get it and is kind of just trashing things, you know, like, I don't know. His chin is deteriorating. That would have been fine, Stephen A. Smith. Leave it at that and we can move on. Whatever. I'm not going to belittle this, uh, belabor this, excuse me. The big story this weekend, guys, we had competing Bellator and UFC cards. That Bellator card, very deep, 238, Inglewood, up to no good at the forum, and it was Chris Cyborg capturing the Bellator Women's Featherweight Championship in Hort promotional debut becoming the only fighter ever to win titles they call her a grand slam champion and invicta bellator strike force and ufc wow rashad just from that standpoint and you take into account the totality of her career and that it's still going at a super elite level fourth round finish of a very game julia bud how big is this accomplishment in the grand scheme of what cyborgs accomplished it's a pretty one. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty it's pretty decent. I, I can't say it's her biggest accomplishment, but it's pretty consistent, and it shows that you know she still has some something left in her. But then it kind of makes you feel as if like you know she still left a lot to be desired with her performance in the UFC. In, in my opinion, you know that's exactly what I felt. I felt like man, you know she still has it. She's still good, but. Now, what does she do? She goes over there and she dominates and continues to be the cyborg that she was outside the UFC. But inside the UFC, you know, she did have her successes, but she still didn't 
strike that same fear that she does outside. So it, it, it I guess it kind of left a little, I mean, I guess a, a lot to be desired from, from Cyborg for me. It's tough here. It's tough about true legacies. Uh, do we fill time on podcasts and shows with the idea of uh, of the go and the greatest of all time in this division? And oh, what did this fight do to that conversation? Seeing Cyborg debut in Bellator, and look, it's it's not UFC. Julia Budd isn't Amanda Nunes, but Julia Budd is very accomplished and had a long winning streak there and was a true champion and was somebody who had the size to contend against Cyborg and make it an interesting fight. Just to see Cyborg do this thing that no one's ever done and hold up those four titles. I'm starting to wonder if we gave away the house too quickly to Amanda Nunes, not in the sense that she doesn't deserve it and not in the sense that she doesn't have a sick resume, having basically defeated and knocked out every major women's fighter she had a chance to be around, not to mention two close victories over Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, Nunes is is everything you would want. But we quickly took the crown off of Cyborg's head after that 30-something second knockout. And because of the politics, we never got the immediate rematch to say, okay, would it be different a second time? I don't know, Rashad. Like, I don't know. It's not that, okay, this win over Julia Budd puts her back on even terms. But at the same time, maybe it's all happening too quick. Maybe we got to see how both of the end runs of their career plays out. You, you, you know, the thing about it is the fact that I feel like she kind of played a part also in the fact that we didn't get to see what could have happened if she would have continued her path at the UFC just because of the way that uh, her people and, and herself handled, you know, things going with Dana White. And um, I kind of felt like that whole her just being discontent in the UFC, her never feeling at home, her her never being accepted and welcomed into the UFC. I think all of that played a part with how she performed in the UFC. I don't feel like, you know, no matter what, even if we would have done that fight again, I don't feel like she, she would have been able to be the cyborg that we see outside the UFC That's just because of the fact that something, it just didn't click for her in the UFC. And I think it has to do with the fact that she just never felt welcome. That's a very interesting point. Brandon, how close at 34 do you think Cyborg is to, to still being prime Cyborg? Because we saw her struggle a little with Felicia Spencer, but it was an odd fight where she knew she was on the way out, basically. Solid win over Bud. Not only did she not take damage, but the gas tank, man, the friggin' gas tank was still there. Are you still seeing the, the same Cyborg? I mean, I think that at this point in her career, it's tough to say that she's still prime Cyborg and that she was... She is what she was like at 27 or 28. And I understand like the thoughts of her not being what she used to be. And, and, and maybe she's diminished, but no, I mean, I feel like you saw in Julia Budd in that fight that cyborg still has that intimidating presence and might've overwhelmed her going into that fight. Like she might've not realized what she was getting into before she signed that contract in the first round. Like she just got run through in that first round. Like when Cyborg flipped her over and kicked her on the back, like a soccer kick style, like that was like, <laughs> what are we doing here, guys? Um, and then obviously like that, like <laughs> I think somebody counted 31 punch combination to finish it in the third or in the fourth round there. It was it was clinical. And I hope that we do get to see her against some higher level competition again, again. But I just don't know, like her her resume is what it is. 
it's complicated because of her past. And I don't, I just don't know. Like we're going to look at her one day in that Randy Couture category, right? Like she was the, the entrepreneur for women's MMA early on. Pioneer, Brandon. Pioneer. Pioneer. Thank you. Thank you. But she also didn't have the highest level of competition to face at the time because there's just no, there was nobody built like her and had the striking like her. So, Rashad, uh, longevity and consistency will be a big part of Cyborg's all time legacy. The four titles in four different major federations is giant. But, like, to what Brandon just said, to echo the maybe the lack of schedule strength through the years, off the top of your head, what's Cyborg's best win? Man, it would have to be. Um... I mean, it surely ain't Gina Carano, right? I mean, so like, what's the, you know, what's the most impressive cyborg win? It's like, oh wait, there, I actually have to think about it'd that. Be, it'd be Holly, Holly Holm, I guess, right? That, that's probably fair. That's probably fair. A competitive five round fight. Yeah, gotta be Holly Holm. But, but I mean, and, and that's the thing about it. it. It's, you know, she can do amazing things. We've seen her, and she's still relatively young. But, you know. It, it still remains the same. You know, she, she's a freak outside of the UFC and, and she did hold her own in the UFC, but still you, you didn't see, you, I, I just, I was never really wowed by her in the UFC. Like I am outside the UFC and you know, it, it's, it has to do with the strength of schedule. So if, um, Bellator can, can make it competitive for her, then we still have yet to see her, you know, test it and, and see what that, you know, see what she's learned from the whole Amanda Nunes thing. But uh, I, yeah, it's for me. I'm happy for her that she got this accomplishment. But at the same time, it's like, man, I wish things would have worked out better in the UFC so I can really see her tested against 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 females who are on that level. I agree. And if you look back at her UFC run, there's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of last minute changes to opponents. There was a lot of, uh, hey, we don't really have anybody, so let's take a bantamweight and blow them up a little bit. There was, uh, you know, we never got to see her against GDR. There was. Certainly uh, a lot of Yana Kunitskaya's on there, okay? It is what it is on that regard. But uh, shout out to Cyborg. Look, I, you know, pound for pound, one of the really, really, one of the sweetest, nicest people, says the right things, has respect for everybody, goes out there and empties the tank, and I was very impressed. You know, I'm waiting at 34 here. Are we going to see legitimate slowdowns? And she, she's the same old aggressive one who, when she smells blood, man, she got Bud out of there. And that finishing combo, like Brandon mentioned, was definitely impressive. Uh, final thought on this, though, Rashad. Here's the problem with her not being the UFC. Who else is she going to fight? I mean, I don't know. Can we make a Kayla Harrison cross-promotion super fight? Maybe one day. But who else is she going to fight in Bellator? Can they can they carve Marlos Kunin out of the ground? Is she still around? I mean, is there anybody else at 145? And and that's the thing about it. You're you're left in the same problem that the UFC had. There's really no one there, and and you're gonna have to do some different kind of matchmaking or, you know, try to find someone. I mean, they to... got Kat Singano. That that's okay, right? That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I mean that 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 could be fine. I mean, Cat Cat is tough. Cat is tough, and I think you know with Cat, you know, give her some confidence in her hands, and then you have a real problem in Cat for her. But. um you know, there's still some steps for Kat to take in order for her to be that woman she needs to be to even, you know, uh, challenge Cyborg in that way. Indeed. All right. We got a lot more breakdown, reaction, analysis, preview coming your way on the State of Combat. Let's take a quick pause for the cause. 
We'll be right back after words from our friends and sponsors. Yeah, <laughs> dig it. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, we're back. BCB dubs the Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans coming at you. We talked about a loaded weekend this past one. Bellator 238 guys from the forum. Cyborg was the main story, but that featherweight World Grand Prix continues to captivate me and leave me uh, excited at the pairings. We saw maybe the best one on paper so far coming in when Darian Caldwell took on hard co- hard. Hardcocks 365. Whoops. Uh, Hungarian unbeaten star Adam Boric. Get that out of the way. Okay, there's an error. All right. Hard knocks, baby. Uh, And here was a weird fight, Rashad. It's a early submission win for Caldwell. And here's what I texted Brandon right after it happened. Because we're all fired up for Boric. He's our guy. He looked fantastic to get here. I didn't necessarily think he looked awful, but I didn't even necessarily think Caldwell looked amazing it was just this weird fight where Boric got taken down and then the next thing I look up the fight's over and it got submitted was this that sort of humbling like this is a higher level yeah, I know it's your first time involved in something like this welcome to the big leagues is this one of those moments what happened in there yeah you know I think I think so you know when you know Adam got here and he surprised a lot of people by being here but you know there's levels and there's different you know stages of of development and I feel like you know Borks is very you know as we see very skillful on his feet and creative on his feet but there there are some holes and and sometimes we have the tendency to be so good in one area it makes you neglect another area and just being able to um, you know answer the transitions and be in proper position to not put himself in a position to get choked you know sometimes when you're not on your game you know you can give those up and that's what happened with Borks um he's still so talented but being being young uh this is going to be something that he 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 puts a feather in his cap and say okay you know that can happen that can happen uh don't don't get too confident in one area and it'll be a learning uh something that he can learn from in the future but you know great great fight by Darren Caldwell I mean Brandon Caldwell now Right, he was the Bellator bantamweight champion. Lost twice to Horiguchi. Moves up for this tournament. These are two impressive wins in a row. He's got AJ McKee next. I kind of feel like he's suddenly the favorite now. Oh, well, that's tough to say. Pitbull's still say. a good god. Let me take a back step. Yeah. But <laughs> but he he's on fire to the level where you're like I you know I could see him in the final. I want to see what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is like what we've wanted to see from Caldwell. Like coming into this, this tournament, we were just kind of like. All right, Darian's in this in this again. Like he's gonna do a lot of lay and pray and wall and brawl, but we weren't sure what he was gonna look like. And then he gets through Henry Corrales with a decision. It wasn't all that impressive. And then he ends up getting Borix, and we're like, all right, this might be a fireworks fight. But he actually just kind of got to the position he needed to, took Boris's back and finished it. So now 
he didn't have to do those techniques. Maybe in this next fight against AJ McKee, we get to see more of the high-flying Darian Caldwell that we're used to. And, and that would be the kind of fight that will get people more interested. Because I feel like this tournament's kind of flying under the radar right now. Like yes. it's it's just there because they haven't had that big moment yet with like a crazy finish or a crazy result. So I'm hoping that that's what we get out of this fight, and I'm hoping that that's what the rest of this tournament looks like. I'm I'm feeling it. I'm feeling this tournament. Uh, Caldwell. I mean, that, look, that's a statement. It was just like I said. It was sort of happened. It was over, and you're sort of like, okay. But uh, McKee's going to be a tough test. I love where this is going. Rashad, were you impressed with Sergio Pettis making his UFC debut at Bantamweight here? I'm sorry, his Bellator debut coming off of leaving and not resigning with UFC. He took on Alfred uh, Kashkabian, it looks like, Kashkakian, but uh, gets a guillotine in three minutes. Yeah, I was very impressed. And this is exactly what Sergio needed. You know, he needed to, you know be on his own and kind of be like and go and go through it and go through just you know the the whatever is hindering him at UFC and i feel like you know he came into the UFC a bit early and never really never really got out of that that little brother mode you know he was always always in that little brother mode even even with the opponents that he faced you know it almost felt, felt as if like he was still competing to prove that he deserved to be there a lot of the times and i feel like with the bellator he has all of his UFC experience, and now he knows he can step into the cage in, in, in Bellator and feel confident and know that he's supposed to be there, know that he has the experience, and and he's a top dog in a cage. And that's something, a different mentality than he had when he was going to the UFC, and you, you kind of seen that when he was in there. He just seemed a little bit more, more, more sure of himself in there. Absolutely. Only 26 years old still. Did say afterwards that he was uh, scared as hell coming into this debut, but... Uh, he got it done quick, and he's going to be an interesting player if they can start matching him with their very best. I wonder, I don't know. Rashad, is there, is there a bigger opportunity than we, like when we think of guys going to Bellator, it's end of the run, right? End of the road, Chael and let's cash in. Recently, we saw a couple prime guys, a Rory make the leap, seem like a special situation, a Benson Henderson, although he was a little past the hill, but could we see more Sergio Pettis types? Are there guys that are, slipping through the cracks in UFC where they're in their prime, but maybe not getting the opportunities they want where this could happen more. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I think the fact that, you know, the UFC is becoming a very crowded place and especially with new talent coming in all the time from the contender series show, you know, that show is becoming a proven ground for a lot of top talent. So um, it doesn't give guys who are on that cusp and who's been in the UFC for a while, like Sergio Pettis is not really, you know, um, you know, being the new that new name and pushing themselves uh, up in the rankings. You know, those guys that he's consistent, but just not not exciting enough. You know, and, and, and there's a lot of guys like that. You know, there's a lot of guys who could be in that position, like Sergio, to to still have some value that because they've been in the UFC for a while and the UFC has built them up, but at the same time, no longer in a position where the UFC wants to push and promote their name anymore. So that's when it makes sense to go to a Bellator. And then, you you know, like you've seen with Sergio, it can be a new start to your career and it can be a jump start. You know, uh, he's 26. Um, Cyborg is 34. So, you know, there, there's still a lot of life left for people who decide to go to Bellator. And the Bellator has it, 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 it's growing. There's a lot of growth that still can be had in Bellator. You know, the organization is still getting its legs and still trying to find out who they are. 
And these guys can be a part of that. Here's this phenomenon, and it's true, and everything you said is true. Ryan Bader's another guy who's completely found a different kind of new life in marketing with Bellator. Uh, Brandon, it's weird. If Sergio Pettis is still with UFC, and you go, hey, hey, dude, UFC 247 is next week, and uh, Sergio Pettis is like the eighth fight on the card against this other guy. You pumped up? I'd be like, yeah, I'd probably miss it. You could tell me who won. But for some reason, if you're like, hey, dude, you're going to see Bellator tonight. It's 239 from Thackerville. Sergio, Sergio Pettis is in the main event. I'm like, yeah, I want to see this. I want to see what he looks like in Bellator. It's the same guy. It's, it's, a, it's a cage. What the hell's the difference? But psycho- psychologically, I'm like, yeah, I want to check it out. Yeah, the, I mean, packaging is everything. I mean, it's it's <laughs> weird that we it's weird that we have to think about things like that. But it's true because. It's helping to give Bellator some of that credibility that has been lacking and hopefully it gets better and hopefully some of these guys that come over become more crossover stars and and they're able to establish themselves more. They have they have a few, but you need the guys like Boritz. You need the guys like Caldwell. You need the 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 Rory McDonald's and uh, gay guards to be like big names i'm sorry brandon uh rory has taken his health to pfl okay all right he was there though bc you get the point (laughs) i'll get i'll sick him on you if you're not careful i guarantee you i will take that belt from you and i will take your health all right uh hey shout out to curtis melender former ufc fighter also made his uh bellator debut and got a win here uh rashad raymond daniels the 39 year old kickboxing extraordinaire had his third fight we talked about it last week yeah he fought an uber driver here in jason king but there was some kung lee bs going on there you see all the spinny shit i was fired up watching that and to see him afterwards go you guys want me to fight mvp he's my boy but i'll fight him i was like bring that entertainment yeah, man, he's he's something special, man. And he's just kind of showing all the things he knows how to do. And, and you know what? That's not even that's probably not even scratching the surface of w- what he can do. He's just kind of doing what he feels comfortable with with the transition to MMA. But I mean, wouldn't it be something to see him against MVP? Oh, Both that same that same style. And you know that it'd be it'd play out like that. It'd play out like a dang karate match, a point yeah. fighting match, but with a higher stakes. So. I'm all in. If they if they set that fight up, oh, I definitely want to watch you that. You think that guy's a double leg takedown away from never fighting MMA again, or what? I mean, you know, he didn't re- he didn't really <laughs> want to go down at all, you know. Yeah, I mean that that's exactly that's the thing about it. You you put him in those kind of fights because you put him in a fight with guys who are grinders and who don't match up stylistically, then it can, then it can expose some of the things. But I mean, keep putting him in fights like this, yes. you're gonna have. You know, a lot of fans starting to build Keep up the other uh, away Daniels. from John Fitch, indeed, at welterweight. All right, uh, Aaron Pico was happy to see this. Came back four and three record coming in against Daniel Carey. Not the high end of the uh, of the competition level, of course, but he needed to get well, and he surely did. Second round knockout, Rashad. It was the left forearm that got him. Uh, I don't care if he's driving the pizza, fighting the pizza delivery driver, and he may have been in this fight, but uh, that looked good. I think he's going to need a few more of them pies, though, to keep building up that confidence back before we see him against somebody. I think so, too. But, I, you know, it, it just shows that things are coming together for him. He's starting to understand, and and that's what it's about. You need, you need wins like this to start building that confidence back. So then when you go against guys that are at a higher level, you have these under your belt. So you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm good because I, I know – even though this guy is not at the same level, I know I have power and I can knock somebody out. You know, th- these th- th- this is what you need and this is what he needs. And Corker was saying, you know, 
these are the kind of fights that they need to keep on feeding them for a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I like the kid a lot. I want to see Aaron Pico completely fulfill the potential. You can absorb losses in MMA. We always talk about that. You know, It's a little different than boxing and, and just be learning experiences and come back. I still need to see more wrestling in his game. But I think what will ultimately define whether he can complete that uh, fulfillment of his potential is, is whether he really has a chin or not. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. <laughs> there's I nothing mean, you can do about that. When it, you get hit, there's nothing you can do about when that. When it goes, just... it goes, Brandon. All right? When it go, when you're in there hard knocks sparring with professionals, all right? When it goes, it goes, all right? There's only, they say in pro wrestling, I only have so many bumps. I only got so many times my chin can get turned and my brain can rattle, all right? <laughs> CTE's a hell of a drug. Yes, it's exactly. Thank you. If he was a girl, you would say he has a badonka doll. <laughs> this dude's got some thick legs. Oh, wow. All right. Well, he does indeed. Uh, Rashad, UFC rally this weekend. You were there. You were on the on the call, correct? Yeah, I was. I was. It was a good card. Really good card. Good card. Heavyweight main event. Curtis Razor Blades. Uh, heck yeah. I think he pretty much inserts himself into the greater title discussion with a destruction of former champion Junior Dos Santos. We've had JDS on the show before. He is truth. He is made of truth. He is all truth. And the truth is he got sent to hell via right hand and some follow-ups. Um, I'm a little late jumping on the Curtis Blades bandwagon, but I think that's because of his evolution, Rashad. He is mixing the threat of wrestling with clean punching to the point where I know he said, "Hey, I want the title next." Well, bro, you're gonna have you got a you got a problem here. Problem is, you lost twice to Francis Ngannou, and he's in front of you in the rankings. But outside of that problem, I don't know. I'm starting to believe here. Do Do you see a a, a true title contender popping up? I do, but I I think also you know even though he caught Junior DeSantos Junior kind of exposed, um, just the fact that. Curtis is, is very good at his explosive takedowns and driving a guy through. But when it comes to just working on the transitions from the punches to, to the takedown, you know, sometimes he kind of rushes it a little bit and he kind of just kind of just there, there really isn't much of a setup at all or there isn't any much of disguising at all. He kind of just like dives in there. Now, going against a guy like DC or the guys at the at the top top, you know, he's going to have to come better than that. So. During this time off, if I was him, I would just work on just the simple transitions, you know. And, and by that, you know, the, the game of fighting is just like this. If I can get you to think one thing and then do another, then I'm going to be able to win the event and take the advantage all the time. So that's what he needs to dedicate himself to, making himself look like he's going to go throw a punch or actually do throw a punch, but then committing to a shot in in, in the same motion or, or, or being able to draw a guy out because – he almost found himself in, in that place, that scary place when you're a wrestler and you've taken too many shots and then the guy keeps on def defending and then now you're left to only stand and then the guy is miles of better than you with the stand-up. And now you're like, oh my gosh, now I can't take this, that guy down and he's, he's looking to serve me up with a shot. But luckily he was able to serve uh, Junior up with a shot first. Uh, he looked good. It's, it's interesting here. Now, he only has two losses, both against... Francis Ngannou, of course, won by destructive early knockout in China. But that first one in Blades' UFC debut, he had some success on the ground. He ended up uh, retiring after the second round of that fight. Uh, so here's the here's the Brandon. The future looks like this, right? We got we already have Ngannou. We, we're probably going to get Dice Stipe three, hopefully this summer. 
we got Rosenstruck and Ganu. So obviously, if Jair can Jair Zinho can pull the upsetto, that's a great fight, absolutely for uh, for razor blades. But if not, is he still one to two away from a legitimate title opportunity? I think so. I, I to me, I don't think you can insert him into this conversation just yet. Like it's it's good that this he needed this win. Like he needed to show people that he could stand up and trade with a, a striker like this. But he also wasn't trying to, like Rashad said. Like he was trying to get takedowns. Junior, who is not a wrestler by trade, was just stuffing everything that that Curtis was thro- throwing at him. It was just Junior. I, and to me, this made me more sad about Junior. Junior just didn't look good. Like, are you, you going to go Prince Nasim on us here, Brandon? Are you going to do it? <sighs> Man, yeah, no, this is uh, uh, I think he should finish. No, that's that's too harsh. I should, I should th- I think that's, should too, that's too harsh, Brandon. That's too harsh. I, I'm close, man. Like, he was throwing naked lead uppercuts and just leaving his chin open. Like, that was so dumb. <laughs> uh, 35 years old, but man, this has he been through the wars, bro. What does he have left to prove? He's lost two in a row now or three in a row? Are you two in a row? Are you saying because he's truth, he has nothing else to prove? He's got four KO losses in the last five years, but, you know, all against elite competition in Ganu Blades, Stipe, Overeem. The only fight to me that would be interesting would be if they could get Kane back, but they're not going to get Kane back. Wow, Kane, JDS4? Good lord. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I need I need to see. I mean, look, for Curtis Blades, he's got an Overeem win. He's got a JDS win. These are, these are big-time... KOs. I don't know. There's something like I'm impressed. I'm coming around. I, I mentioned off the top. There's still a little bit of fear, though, that that I don't know if he's got that another level. He's got, he's up to this level now where he's in this conversation. But you need to be able to to level up as Holly Holm and uh, Michelle Waterson taught us in that Instagram. Since <laughs> All right. Here, yes. Here's why I think he is leveled up. Though. I think he's leveled up just because of the fact that, you know, um, he does like when I look at guys who can bring something different to the weight class, because that's what makes a guy to me a problem in a weight class when they're doing something that a lot of guys will have trouble answering to. And even though, like I said, his efficiency on transitioning to the takedown is not the best. The fact that he's constantly going for it, that's something that you don't see a lot of heavyweights do because of the fact that they will get dog dead tired and he doesn't get tired. So I think that is an attribute that, a lot of fighters don't have, and that's an attribute that he can actually turn into a a a, a, a world title, you know, you know, trait to have. But he's got a couple some other things along with it. Yeah, if he if he became like a Habib of the heavyweights or a Kamaru, where he's just pushing people into the cage with his punches and with his kicks, and then bringing them down to the ground, I'm all here for that because that's an unstoppable force at heavyweight. But I just don't think he's at that level yet. Very interesting stuff right there. Uh, I almost feel like, you know, you keep talking about a title, you're going to end up going through uh, Ngannou again. <laughs> and you're probably, you know, and he could end up getting a first-class ticket down below. But uh, that's why they fight him. Co-main event, hey, this was the fight of the night on paper coming in. And Michael Chiesa at welterweight improves to 3-0 and since moving up. Absolutely handles RDA, just straight-up shutting his ass down in a unanimous decision over three rounds look it's one thing 
to handle Wash Condit. Another thing to be up on a game, but not competitive Diego Sanchez. But this was this was the highest levels here. You know, this is about a, a, as elite as they come in the 35-year-old RDA. And guys, I'm going to echo what every single person tweeted Saturday night. <laughs> How the heck did this guy ever make lightweight? Because he looks like a massive, massive welterweight but Rashad, does he look like a true title contender with that mix of jujuts and wrestling? He looked really good. And I'll tell you the reason why he w- looked so big is because before we seen him at 155 and he had that nerd body. He just didn't feel like he just didn't look like he grew into his body. But at 170, you know, he, he he's filled out. He's got chest muscles and his muscles are pronounced and sticking out. And that's not something you normally see. On a Kiesa body, but you know, th- uh, this past weekend he looked really, really big. And um, when you're that, when, when it being that big aided in the fact that he's that he got that long, wiry strength. So now you put some muscles on it, and now you got a guy who is long, got that long leverage strength, but now he's stronger than you too. And I think that's what RDA didn't anticipate he he anticipated yeah he's going to be better than him with the stand-up and with the leg kicks but he didn't anticipate the fact that once this guy gets a hold of me he already has a long wiry strength but now he's got some muscle on top of it that's a different recipe and i think that's a recipe that fits in with the upper echelon of the 170 weight class that's with interesting the because right away you're like okay well does he have the striking on that level to compete at the title level well it's like well hey the title level right now is Kamaru and Colby. The title level is all about badass wrestling. Does this guy have enough quirks and a motor to compete with that level? It's going to be interesting to see. You mentioned the 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 improved muscle. Look at his body. You may have to deal with it. I'm a white boy, and I'm jacked. Deal with it. Uh, yeah, RDA dealt with that. Um, he talked about how RDA was number five coming in, so he wanted to come in and beat him. And basically say, I'm only fighting top five guys after this. Rashad, I popped for that damn call out. Drop the mic. DC asked him a question. He's basically like, you know what? I don't know if I have the exact quote here. Um, he said, I want to be tested. I want to fight the best. So Colby it is. See you in July. And basically walked off. I'm here for that. I'm, I'm here for that too. And I love that because nobody wants to fight Kobe. Kobe is a, is a nightmare to fight. And, and people that have to fight Kobe, just like, dang, I got to fight that dude. Not only is he going to talk trash, but he can fight, you know? And that's a, he's the worst possible guy to, to fight just because there's a big chance of you losing because he's so dang tough. And he's the last guy you want to lose to. But Kiesa is, in, a, in my opinion, he might, he, he's a nightmare for, for, for um, Kobe. And I say that just because of the fact of, you have Colby who uh, who pushes a great pace and and wrestles the guy down, but when it comes to that the top control, that's where he kind of falters a bit, and that's where things can be a little bit sticky, and that's where he can get himself into some trouble to a much bigger and a stronger and a better grappler in Michael Chiesa. I got one. I don't think Colby's next for him. I have another name who was involved in that uh, bus incident in uh, Brooklyn a few years ago. Carolina. Uh, Ke- uh, Kiesa was on that bus. Yes, he and... was. He got glass in his eye. Or no, maybe that was Ray Borg. I don't know. No, he had, he got like cuts he... on the top of his head and he actually sued Connor. Um, 
Connor might need a, a stay busy fight. No, 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 no. Brandon, no, no. Brandon, that's just bad matchmaking. Get oh, out of yeah, here. Yeah, that's, that's not. You know that's what? bad matchmaking, but you guys are talking about Kamaru or Colby fighting Connor, which is basically the same thing. Brandon, I may have to I may have to take you to court for that one, okay? All right, all right. I may have to put you on trial for that one. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. No sense. It doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Brandon, um, if you are the UFC or Conor McGregor, and if you were not going to wait around for a title opportunity or push him into a Masvidal Super BMF fight, you would get somebody who could be exposed with speed, who he could knock out. Someone like your boy. No, not Eric Anders. Your boy, Justin Gaethje. They ain't going near a guy who can put together wrestling and submissions at welterweight. Get out of here, all right? My point more is that Jorge, Colby, and Kamaru are all going to be gigantic compared to Connor when they step in the ring Did with him, no? Did you see his chesticles? Rashad was just talking about that. Mike's <laughs> Mike the Mav is getting big, all right? So I just... Like to me, I'm more pointing out the fact that I think Connor staying at welterweight and trying to compete with these top four, top five guys, I just I can't see it happening at this point. Listen, I, I'm not gonna say what Connor can and can't do just because Connor surprised me every single time I say he can't do something, but I wouldn't put him in that kind of fight just because of some of the fact that he's. You want? I mean, for one. It's not going to be. It's not going to garner the attention that you need. You need every single time Connor stepping in for it to be a blockbuster, even if it's just a fight where he's going to just dominate and keep him busy. It's got to be a blockbuster. It's got to be something that's going to garner some attention. It's got to be something that people want to see. So let let's create a small hypothetical here. Let's say that Connor somehow does win this welterweight title and beats Kamaru later this year in 2021. If if Kiesa keeps on this track and goes up against him. In the title fight, you you think he has to dominate him? No, because if he beats Kamaru, then he proved that he can handle someone that that can have that kind of game. So I, I think if he beats well, someone at that, then that proves something. You it know, would be but how right he now, beat him? If he knocks out Kamaru in the first two minutes, then I don't know if he proved that he's that he's right. got this great takedown game. It's I don't know. I, he's not going down that road anyway. He's not going anywhere near Kamaru. All right, bro, come on. What are we doing here? Okay. He's more likely to fight Nate than he would ever be to fight any of those guys right now. Okay, he's gonna have to lose. He's gonna have to shut the damn door on fifty-five, right? He's gonna have to like they're gonna have to send him location and 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 lose, and then we'll go. All right, let's f around and go up to seventy. Okay, right, <laughs> right. So just stop that crap. Stop that crap. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so I like Kiesa. I like his balls. I like a Colby fight. We'll see if that happens. Then, wait, you think I'm funny, Brandon? You know? Yeah. It's yeah. a weird phrase. All right. Uh, that was uh, interesting there. But what about this fact? Any fool's gold in this win? RDA's been taken down like uh, 78 times in the last two fights. So uh, what happened? You know, RDA's like four, lost four or five fights, right? Yeah, but only against the very, very best. Okay. I know we've been saying that about Michael Johnson for a decade, but only against the best. All right. I, I say this though, I don't think there's no fool of gold in here just because of the fact that he has went against those guys 
with the great wrestling. When you go against guys that he's been going with the last few fights, your camps are centered around wrestling, takedown defense, and everything that these guys bring to the table. So RDA should have had the game plan of Kiesa down in his sleep just because of the simple fact that he's been facing it for the last few fights. You know, one training camp has bled into another essentially because he's been fighting the same guy for the last few fights. So I, I feel like it was no fool's gold. I think that Kiesa was able to exploit what RDA uh, didn't think he would be, which was the grappling exchanges on the ground. And I think that's what what took uh, RDA by surprise, those grappling exchanges where he was getting dominated and was not able to break away from Kiesa's strength. Fair, fair enough. Brandon, who will wear a UFC title sooner? Conor McGregor or Kevin Lee? God. <laughs> Conor McGregor because they're going to give him more chances. Kevin Lee will be a UFC champion. He will, okay? He will. I'm telling you. Keep buying the stock. Thank you. All right? Yeah. Don't just pay no attention to those boils on his chest or whatever that thing he keeps getting. What is that called? Chlamydia? What is that? MRSA? <laughs> what is that? All right. All right. Enough weird stuff here. Uh, Rashad, you were there. Any other thoughts on UFC Raleigh? Anybody jump out at you? Yeah, there's a few people. Uh, Angela, Angela Hill, she had a great fight. Um, there's a there's a couple, uh, both Hills, you know. The, the guys from the Contender Series, I, I've been really impressed with those. I mean, the Contender Series guys are improving themselves, and and uh, it's just so surprising to see these guys with these five and seven, five and seven and zero records, and they're going out there and they're doing work as if they've been in the UFC forever. The composure. They're fighting at a level that, that is just like, wow, okay, these guys are don't have a lot of experience, and, and they're coming out and they're fighting great. So there's a lot of up-and-coming guys on that card just from the Contender Series alone. What's the secret sauce right now in the Contender Series? Because it's, it's a complete takeover right now of the UFC. Is it the, the fact that there's so much at stake in impressing Dana White and going for the finish and even the fact that you could win – on your contender series episode and still not get the call and get a contract. Is it just that incentive base or are they digging deeper than ever before to find these unproven talents? I think it's just because of what you said. I think it's psychological. I think it's the fact that these guys don't feel like they have, you know, they, they have to get it. This is their, this is their one chance to make it. And it seems as if that, that kind of mindset follows them when they actually make their debut as well. You know, they want to, continue to go out there and, and continue to prove themselves. And then every single time it's like, okay, I proved myself last time. I got to prove myself again. So it, it's been a pretty good uh, proving ground just because these guys have been taking it as such. And that's from the initial getting the invite to even be on the show. Who, who Brandon, who's the most successful Dana White alum at this point? Macy? Contender series? Yeah. Johnny Walker? Maybe. But even that was the one in Brazil. That wasn't like on the U.S. TV package. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's got to be Mason. Interesting stuff. All right. Hey, well, let's debut a new segment. It's called Going Rounds with Rashad. Brandon right. Wise is going to tee up some latest news, important topics. Rashad's going to give a take. I'm going to grade it. I'm going to tell him whether he's on track or dead wrong. <laughs> All right. Take the wheel, Brandon. All right. You guys ready? 
I'm ready. Let's start with the heavyweights. We're going to get into this right off the bat. Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier were in the news this weekend with DC on the call from Raleigh, and he called out Stipe saying that he wants to get this fight done. He's He wants it to be a, a in a reasonable timetable because he gave Stipe a reasonable timetable when he fought him last year. But now Stipe's agent is coming out and saying that there is no timetable for his return and that his top priority right now is getting back to 100% health because he needed to undergo surgery for those eye pokes that DC gave him <laughs> and that he also wants to fight some fresh faces in the heavyweight division. Rashad, what is your take on this? I think the fight has already started and it's already started just because it's a simple mind game in a verbal warfare before they even sign the contract. What, what Stipe is doing is making DC feel as if like he needed to take the long track as if like DC made him feel once he beat him. You know, I feel as if like Stipe has felt disrespected and, and, and he's like, you know what? I felt so disrespected when I lost the belt. Now I have the belt. I'm going to play it my way. And that's what he's doing. He's playing it his way. And, the game between him and DC is is a psychological game, and that's why you see even during a call, you know DC, you know had a Freudian slip and said Stipe. <laughs> he was talking about Stipe when he was talking about um, JDS, but it, it's it's that he's on his mind, you know. And there's nothing that DC wants more than to have a chance to fight as Stipe, and Stipe knows that, and he's playing with him. Yeah. Uh, he's right on there. He is playing with him completely. And you know what? Stipe does have sort of a gripe here. Everybody counts him out. No one worse than me. I got, Hey, guess what, guys? Stipe didn't win that rematch. DC lost it, right? That's still a thing. And I believe in that. Nobody gives this guy. This guy had to sit around and wait for a year why Dana White said, hold on, I know you're deserving and all, but Brock Lesnar's going to come back from roids and steal your spot. And only it didn't happen only because it didn't happen. So Stipe, yeah, like in theory, DC's got some points. He's like, I shouldn't have even fought last August when I did. I was still hurt, but I sort of did it for, you know, for, for the nookie, for the business. Well, you know, that was your choice here. If Stipe wants to stretch this out and can get away with it, I guess, you know, he can, but it's it's interesting to see DC on the Ariel Hawani show on Monday and just basically say, like, this is it. It's all or nothing. He either lets me fight for the title this year or, you know, I may never fight again. I, sh I'm not, I don't want to fight again. I shouldn't fight again. So that's going to be interesting where that goes out. The date is going to have to work for DC because not everything for DC works. I could be fat. I could not have a six-pack, but my dick works. My dick works. That does work, yeah. <laughs> it certainly does, Brandon. You know what I'm saying? Moving on. Tyron Woodley is now admitting to losing a, a quote, lot of bleeping money. He ha He's saying that he has been blowing through the funds that he's won in his title, in his uh, journey to the title, and now he's kind of needs to fight again to sustain this lifestyle that he has built for himself. Uh, Rashad, how dangerous is it if he is as motivated as he was going into that title run and now kind of needing money to get through this? Um, well, a focus T. Wood is always a dangerous T. Dangerous T. Wood, you know. Um, so he still has the ability, but I think that you know, adding pressures. Oh, I need to make this money. That that adds. That doesn't add a. That's not a positive thing, you know. When you, whenever you fight because you need the money. It always ends up working against you. It's, it's like the money is harder to, 
harder to catch when you need it. You know what I'm saying? Money just kind of comes when, when you're just kind of in the flow of things. And, and that's what he needs to focus on being more than anything. But I, I like the fact that he was real about where he's at and, and he's real about what happens and when, when you start getting this kind of money and you doesn't when you, when you don't have the financial training, you know, and I lost a lot of money, too, just because of financial ignorance and not knowing what I need to do with it, because you're, you're getting huge amount of money in one night. And without the training, you can blow a lot of it. But uh, I think T Wood is starting to, to starting to peek out through the other side, you know, and it happens when you when you become champion, you know, you're in a, your own world and you really can't see what's on the other side of that mountain. And you wish that you can get a glimpse. But, you know, you, you're, you're just kind of distracted with everything else going around you. Now he's on the other side of that. Now he sees, oh, this is what I wasn't seeing before. And, you know, there, there are some choices that he made and there's some things that he has to live with. But, you know losing money and having that expensive lifetime that that had uh, lifestyle that that attributes to you know a lot and that's something to it's hard to cut off just because you say i have a fight because those things that are causing you to lose money or are stressing you out about financial they don't disappear because you have a fight you know and if you don't find a way to bring your financial finances under control you always you're only one fight away from 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 being jobless anyway, so he has to find a way to be like, you know what, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna bring everything into control. And he, you know, he went through a divorce and everything like that. That's expensive. I went through divorce. That cost me a lot of money. So it's a lot, man. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna side with you on this one. It, it, it could be easy to to hear this and just go, "Oh, here's another excuse on why Tyron's no longer Tyron." But look, I'm a believer in Woodley, and I know he's creeping up in his late 30s. But let's not forget what we thought about him heading into that Kamaru fight. No worse than number three pound for pound, a guy who had been on this run of such insane efficiency, figuring out how to completely disarm his opponents, making them fight the style that he wants, basically making them skip to his loo. And you will skip to my loo. Just and, and, and then to see him go out and lay that fat of an egg against Kamaro was eye opening. Do we need to give Usman his respect 100 percent? But I'm still in the camp. You know the camp I'm in that Kevin Lee's going to win a title no matter what because I believe in him? I'm in the camp that that just wasn't prime T. Woodley. There was something going wrong. And I think we're starting to see now with his honesty that, you know, maybe he was focused on the wrong things, spending too much money, not as dialed in as he needed to. Maybe all those years of trying to break out and be a star and having Dana White squash him down, and then he sort of figured out on his own how to, become his own star in the T TMZ TV show and the rap album. I heard Masvidal during 246 week. He did a, a, a scrum. And, you know, and he's sort of taking shots at his per perspective opponents coming up. And one thing he said was, he's like, look, here's what you guys don't understand, right? If I fight Usman, I'll, I'll beat him. But he's like, Usman isn't everything you guys think he is. And I'm not here to, to, to debate that side of what Jorge said. I'm here to debate this other side where he basically said, look, what you guys don't understand is T Woods, my boy. And that was not him in that fight. If he would have not been trying to do rap albums and actually went back to trying to prepare for fights the right way, you would have seen a much different fight. And I'm going to echo that and say, I don't know if Tyron Woodley would have beaten Usman or if he ever can. I do know the same way I know that that version of Connor against Habib at 229 was not, was not the damn Mystic Mac that we all knew. 
That wasn't Tyrone Woodley against Usman, and you can take that to the bank, Rashad, the blood bank. <laughs> I'll agree. I, I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. And you're right. You know, he had a lot going into that fight, a lot of distraction going into that fight on a personal level, uh, you know, on a career level, multi-career level with, with the, the rap video and all his aspirations with that. So, yeah, th- those are the kind of things. And he, and he handled the schedule. He had a full schedule, uh, packed it full. And when you pack your schedule full and you're the champion, you get pulled in all kind of ways, it, it's going to have a fizzle out somewhere. And you just hope it's not in the cage. But unfortunately for him, it wasn't the cage. Take that, Brandon. Right. Brandon, take that, okay? All right. Next up, we were talking a little bit about Ryan Bader before. He is coming back this May. He will be returning to light heavyweight to face Vadim Nemkov for the light heavyweight title on May 9th in San Jose. This will be his first fight at light heavyweight since 2017. Guys, what do we think about this fight for Ryan Bader? You know, I'm not really too sure about, you know, how big he's been getting, but here's the thing about it, you know. Everyone, well, a lot of people have been, they've been moving into the proper weight class. I've been seeing it across the board from UFC to Bellator, and fighters are fighting a lot better. And actually, I think that Ryan Bader has fought a lot better since he's been at heavyweight. So there's something to be said about fighting around your natural weight and not having to put that labor on your body as far as cutting weight. Now you have a guy who's been fighting heavyweight the last few fights. Now he has to drop back down to 205. Now, depending on where he's been walking around at, that could pose a problem for him. You know, that could pose a problem for his power, and he's been knocking people out with that left hook, and he's been having surprisingly uh, some surprising speed as well. When, when you cut weight and you haven't been cutting for a while, those are the things that can be affected. So uh, it could be a bit dangerous for him cutting down, but it all depends on what his body was walking around. If he's walking around like around like 240 or something like that, then it's going to be a hard cut. But if he's walking around like around 230, then it shouldn't be too bad for him. He should be able to make it, but it's still going to be a tough one. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. Rashad's on fire today. Look, this is uh, this could be a potential trap fight for Bader. I like it. And if you don't know much about Nemkov, he's kind of figuring out who he is as a fighter, a, a, a Fedor guy, a Sambo guy. But you look at this 4-0 run since, since joining Bellator, blew away Liam McGarry by TKO, wins the dis- split decision over Phil Davis that got my attention. Then he goes out and submits Rafael Carvalho. I don't know if that weight movement will be a, a, a monster detriment. I just think this is sort of that perfect sleepy opponent where Ryan Bader defending two titles right now. He may have to run and lose one of them in this fight. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah. And when you're, and, I mean, think about Ryan Bader, though. He hasn't, like, his, his run in, in Bellator has been, it's been beautiful for him. You know, he hasn't really had too much of a, of a competition. I think his toughest fight was Phil Davis when he first came back, his first fight in the U, in, in Bellator. But then after that, it's been kind of smooth sailing for him. And and when things go smooth for you, it's kind of hard to see guys <laughs> that he, like, 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 like he has in his opponent. It's hard to see guys like that because you just don't foresee the competition being as stiff as you, it, it needs to be to get that attention. But this could be the fight to, to be like, oh, wow, th- it is tougher. Than I thought. Indeed, stiff indeed, Brandon. You know what I'm saying? Just look at the stiffness. 
Shad doesn't even know who that is. That's that's Dwyer. Everybody knows Dwyer, all right? <laughs> oh, that's who that is, huh? Yeah, he's just a random YouTube YouTube boxing betting guy who has the most absurd uh, breakdowns and analysis that he can't help but make my soundboard like every week. It's just ridiculous. Make that money, player. I mean, the guy's just out of control. It's just, it's, 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 if anyone out there does not know Dwyer, please get, get caught up on him. He's absolutely amazing. Don't fall in love. With fighters who no longer exist. He's the master of the pregnant pause. I mean, this guy's just popping out kids left and right with this thing. It's great. It's, it's absolutely great. Let's get into it. Let's talk about Errol Spence's back foot game. Wow. <laughs> all right yeah there you go that's quiet for you take it from there brandon yes all right yeah we, uh, we got a couple more to go through Paige van zandt is no longer fighting on march 14th against amanda rebus she suffered a fractured arm in training and will no longer be able to fight this is now adding to the litany of injuries Paige has suffered in her ufc career Rashad, is this a her body is breaking down on her already, or is this overtraining? Do you think it's really hard to tell? You know, just because I don't really know her schedule, but you know, um, when you have back to back injuries, you're doing something wrong. You're, you're either you're either not giving she's not you're not giving herself enough time to recover in between training sessions, or she's just you know um, not training smart, and, and, and that's that's what it comes down to. Uh, but I think whenever you get in these consistent injuries like this, and, and I wish I would have done it when I when I was getting mine, you got to take some time off and just focus on the injury. I know it gets monotonous, it gets boring, but what you're going to get off of just focusing on an in injury is going to pay off in huge dividends once it gets taken care of. And even now, I still struggle with my knee to this day, and it's because whenever it was injured, I was working on it, but I was working on everything else, and I didn't give it the focus, the entire focus that I need to, and maybe that's what Paige needs to do. To this day, to this day, to this day. Uh, yeah, here's the deal on this, okay? I'm going to start off with a, hey, PVZ, all right, all right, sister, all right, <laughs> wife of a man with an atrocious neck tat, um, this injury is the best thing to ever happen to you because Amanda Rebus would have beat that ass. And I'm sorry, and it's a, it's a, this is not the right matchup for you. This is not the right division for you. And also, uh, this is not the right promotion for you. I think, uh, Paige Van Zandt, I'm serious about this. Like, hatred aside, I'm not, I don't hate her, but you get what I'm saying. Um, she's going to take L's in the UFC. She hasn't improved. If she stays at women's straw weight, are you kidding me? This, the, this division's hell. She's just going to lose and maybe get injured in between. Um, I think she needs to figure out her true exit plan and what she wants to be. There's some marketability there. Uh, go to Bellator and just fight celebrity fights or something like that because I couldn't see her. When they when she signed on for this fight, I thought it was bad matchmaking to begin with. Uh, the flyweight's weak. Go back up to there. I know you don't have a lot of power there. Maybe just get out. Maybe just never fight again, Brandon. I'm sorry, all right? I mean, Brandon, it's just not going in the right direction. All right? I'm not saying make me a sandwich. I'm just saying, Brandon, I, I need a little bit more commitment. I need something else, okay? I don't see it right now. I see a bad ending for her. Shad, please respond to this. Man, that, that, was, that was harsh. That was harsh. I'll say this, man. I, see, here's the thing. Paige has impressed me in her in some fight. Like, she show, she's shown that she 
she I don't think she's totally hopeless. I don't. I, I feel like with with the proper training, somebody could do something with Paige. Because, you know, she does have a she does have a bit of a dog in her. You know, I, I've seen that she she will get ugly, she will fight in messy situations, but I feel like just on a technical side, sometimes she gets a little bit loose, you know, and, and that's the thing about it. And I feel like if she just tightened up some of those skills, then then she could definitely be a lot more competitive than the weight class. But another thing to that is the fact that when you're missing this much time out the cage, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're John Jones, the best in, in, in the world. It does take something off your performance because you're not used to being in there and the timing is off. So all of those are, are, are just – you know, making it harder for Paige to to be the Paige that she can be. But I don't think that she's as terrible as BC say. Come on, BC, don't hurt, don't hurt. Rise fine I got nothing else to say. All right, what, hey, what has been done has been done. Okay, all right, it's out there. Last one. This was something I found this morning. You know, in the dark webs that I. I live in and reside in on Twitter. Oh, wow. Were you, you on browsers? Where are you talking about right now? <laughs> Rumors are swirling that Zabit Magomed Sharapov will be fighting Korean Zombie in the next couple of months, maybe at in Brooklyn at UFC 249. Rashad, is that about as good a matchmaking as you can make at 145 right now outside of title fights? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that will be that 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 has every bit to be uh, a fight to be remembered forever, you know, or or a fight that definitely gets run back just because both of these guys are so excited. I mean, you got Zabit jumping off cages, doing all kinds of aerials, but then, you know, his 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 fighting IQ is so high, and then you take Korean Zombie who brings the fight every single time you go in there, and now he's gotten some power, and now the guy who used to be kind of sloppy. And just had a little bit of heart. Now his, his, I mean, a lot of heart. Now he's tightened up his, his striking, and now he, he's 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 looking good. So this is a fight. This is definitely one, a fight of the year, I think. Yeah, good God, absolutely. You know, we talk a lot about the best divisions in the sport, the deepest ones. We bring up lightweight. We bring up women's straw weight, uh, welterweight right now. Uh, at the very top, middleweights, certainly hot. Bantamweight might actually be the real deepest. Can we pour one out for featherweight, men's featherweight? Because this is absolutely ridiculous that they could produce this matchup, and yet we're still waiting for Ortega to come back from that long training camp with Halle Berry and, uh, and, and see what, if he still got it, you still got old names lingering around. You still got Max just losing to Volkanovsky. We want to see if that runs back. I mean, this is absolutely fantastic. This fight, it might just produce a title contender. It might just be. And I really, really, really want to see the beat challenge at the highest level. And this is the right fight at the right time. And it would be pure violence, please. Thank you. Yes, give it to me. Face the pain, Brandon. Yes, yes, yes. That is all we have for this week. Rounds, <laughs> Rashad. Wow, in the books. Take that. Yes. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Uh, hey, weekend preview time. Well, that was a short discussion. There is nothing this weekend. It is, uh, thank you, Dwyer. It is uh, Super Bowl weekend. So, Rashad, can we do um, uh, story time with Rashad Evans? Uh, another rotating segment that the people love. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, all right. Rashad Evans, sometimes I like to go on the uh, the Rolodex of life called your Wicca 
Wikipedia page. Rashad, can you take me back? Take me back. Do 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 to June twenty eighth, two thousand six, UFC Ultimate Fight Night five in Las Vegas. You are seven and zero on your way into the octagon to face one brawler extraordinaire, Stefan Bonner. Talk uh-huh. to me about that majority decision. That was a, a big fight for me. You know, that was that was one where I was like, I'm chasing after Forrest. You know, I'm on the heels of Forrest. I, I'm the 205. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm the heavyweight tough champion, but now I dropped the 205, and now I'm on the heels of Forrest Griffin. Now I got to beat the guys who beat, but now I'm going against Stephen Bonner, who is, you know, people's toughest Forrest Griffin, you know, and, and looking to be in that spot. So uh, that was a tough fight for me, and, and he just fought Ch- uh, Keith Jardine before that fight, and it was a good fight that he fought Car- Keith Jardine. And so going into that fight, I was like, I got to land a takedown because Stefan Bonner, he hit surprisingly hard, and it was kind of weird because you didn't, you wouldn't really look at Stefan Bonner and think that he's a hard hitter. But there's a couple times that he hit me, and I was like, Oh no, I'm not gonna <laughs> stand here and take this. <laughs> so it turned into a wrestling match, and. Um, being able to out wrestle him and take him down with the big power takedowns that I did was huge for me because he did everything in his ability to, you know, oh, I'm not getting taken down and try to stop me. But it's something when you get him up in the air and like you're going for some air miles on this one. Um, that was a majority decision win for one Rashad Evans. One judge going 29 29. Was that deserved it there? Nah, I mean, listen. It, I, I thought I thought I won a fight, but you know, Bonner Bonner did uh he, he did. I think it was like the second round where people said that he, he might have won. I don't know. But uh yeah, it, it it was a close fight, man. I think early in the early in my career, those close fights were just attributed to me just not fully being comfortable with my fighting style yet. You know, I was still trying to figure out like what it was. And that's why like when I see a person like Angela Hill, who's been taking short notice fight after short notice fight, finally starts to break out in the last couple of fights as as having an identity, having a style of fight. You know, then you know that oh, those are the years of her trying to figure out what it is. Now she figured out what it is, and I think that's what it was for me, just trying to figure out what my fighting style was going to be. Rashad, that was 2006. This was inside the tiny Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. 954 fans. Just to put this in perspective, the disclosed fighter payroll for the entire card was $197,000, which didn't even meet the total gate that night, which was $134,000. But what this card's most remembered for, not you going 29-29 on one scorecard with with Brawl and Bonner, Anderson Silva's UFC debut was the main event against the crippler Chris Lieben, what do you remember was the feeling entering that night of whether this guy Silva's for real making his debut? Well, he was in my dressing room and, and, uh, you know, I was a big cheese. Everybody was like, Oh, you know, the main event and everything like that. But there's this new guy, Anderson and Anderson was in my dressing room. So, uh, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting, uh, warmed up to go. And, and, uh, Anderson, he didn't warm up at all. Matter of fact, he's sleeping underneath. He's sleeping <laughs> underneath. There's like a, a um, there's like a, a sink, and he's sleeping underneath the sink, and just like didn't move. And I'm warming up for my fight and getting ready to go, and I don't see this guy warm up at all. And then right when I <laughs> right when I leave, uh, the fights over. I come back. 
um, he's already on the line. And I asked my guys, I'm like, hey, when I left, did he even warm up? He says, yeah, he got up, he stretched out, and he stretched his legs out, and then he threw a couple kicks in the air, threw a couple punches, and he walked out and he just did his thing. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't believe it because I was like, how is this guy so good? And he didn't warm up at all. Didn't warm up and I went out there and did work. I, I was love it. I love it. I love it. I love it, man. I love it too, Andy. Uh, do you know that it took him just 41 seconds to beat the piss out of Chris Lieben? That was obviously a, a very memorable night and announced so much. Uh, that This card was on Spike TV. It was the lead-in for the premiere of Blade the Series and did a 1.4 overall rating. Probably to see Rashad, people. Come on, let's get real. <laughs> that was story time with Rashad Evans. Brand, did you watch this fight live? You remember this? I think I did, but I mean, that's a long time ago to remember watching a specific TV show. Yeah, you were probably like in elementary school at this point, young Brandon, you know. Yeah, all right, there it is. Hey, that's the show for this week. Follow us on Twitter at State of Combat, at Sugar Rashad Evans, at Brandon Wise 65 B. Campbell CBS. Shout out to our wonderful producer, Mikey Mormile at MJMCBSI. Please follow him for his hot takes. Indeed, the state of combat always has you covered. Super Bowl this weekend. Enjoy it. We'll be back next week with a full preview of UFC 247 and the return of John Jones Rashad. Just, just, just tickle the ivories of what we can expect next week. I mean, you're giving Dom Reyes a chance. Is this a trap fight? What the heck is this? I, 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 here's the thing about it. I give him a chance because he is in a position that John Jones was when John Jones went onto the scene and started, you know, doing his thing. And by that, I mean he's undefeated. He doesn't have that fear. When we seen John Jones in there doing all kinds of spinning techniques and just really fighting as if like nothing bad could happen to him, it is because he was young and he hadn't had anything bad happen to him in the octagon. But through the years, John, even though he's been undefeated, you know, he's, He's had those scares in Yakgun. You know, there, there's been times where he could have lost a fight and he's been rocked in fights and, and all those different things. So those kind of things, it makes you fight differently. And you've seen, if you've seen John Jones' last few fights, he hasn't fought the same as he, he, he has in the past. You know, he's been a little bit more conservative. Now, a more conservative John could be in trouble against a guy who is the same size, who has power, who has speed. And who has confidence? Those are the, those are the things that I think Dominus Reyes can definitely bring to the table. That can bring pause or, or definitely make John Jones, uh, you know, fight differently or even lose. Very very interesting, Brandon. You fired up for the debut of heavyweight Beefy Latifi? Oh man, Derek I'm Lewis, really that's a good ass fight, man really excited i'm just i'm really scared i'm gonna be so sad when it's over (laughs) (laughs) yeah latifi i mean when he loses he loses he loses big time he goes indeed shout out to batman all right that's it for the show this week as always i've got two words for the people we out